This morning, I'll have you, uh, if you'd like, turn to Romans. Romans uh, chapter 5. We'll be looking at Romans 5, first hour, Romans 8, second hour. In Romans 5, written by the Apostle Paul, um, we read this beginning in verse 1. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Two very familiar verses to most of us, especially verse 1, especially the words having been justified by faith. Now, this verse teaches us many things, but notice this. It says, having been, so if somebody's justified by faith, they also have this, and it's based on justification by faith. We have peace with God. That is astounding because, you know, a lot of people, even in our day, um, I think most people, actually all people, they want peace, and ultimately they want peace with God. But how do you get peace with God? Some people think uh, they know they have peace with God because they just know. You know how people argue. How do you know you have peace with God? Oh, I just know. I feel it. Okay? We're not talking about that, okay? Because um, feelings, nothing more than feelings, as the song says. Have you ever felt something to be oh so true and right, and it was oh so not true and wrong? Yeah. So we don't want to say... uh, to the, we don't want to answer the question, how can I know I have peace with God? We don't want to answer it that way, right? Because I, f- I just feel I do. And get out of my space. You're making me uncomfortable. Don't tell me I can't just feel that I have peace with God and I therefore have peace with God. I want to believe that, okay? Don't go down that route, okay? Now, other people say, I hope I have peace with God because I try to do the right things. I know I do some wrong things, but at least I try to do the right things, and uh, really, I do more right things than wrong things. So the right things are on this side, and the wrong things are on this side, so the scale goes like this, and you say, so God looks at what I do, mostly, the good things, that outweigh the bad things, and based on that, I'm okay with God. Okay, so... You know, a lot of people think that way, right? Probably most people uh, think that way. Still others do not think one can know he or she has peace with God. We do our best. We hope that's good enough, but nobody can know for sure. Have you ever talked to somebody like that? I've spoken to people uh, in their, I think she was in her, well into her 80s, about this lady's soul before she died. And basically, that's what she told me. My soul, I was a new believer. 
I, so I started rattling all kinds of scripture memory verses at her, you know, boom, 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 boom. You can know that you have eternal life, you know, uh, if you have the son. Her best answer, after 80-some years of mass and rosaries and praying the rosary in her house, on her knees, the best answer she could give was, we hope. That is, you know, that kind of hope, not confident expectation of the fulfillment of something God has promised. But notice what our verse says again, the two verses. Therefore, having been justified by faith, whatever that means, it brings along with it peace with God. So if you want peace with God, you got to have this first, this having been justified by faith. I'll explain what it means. But notice again, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. That sounds to me like almost triumphalistic language, like we can be confident, Paul says, that if we're justified, the rest of this is ours. Peace with God, hope of glory, uh, access into this grace, Christian, uh, the grace that comes by virtue of what Christ has done for sinners. So Holy Scripture, not only here but elsewhere, proclaims to us that we can know if we have peace with God. The only way anyone can know they have peace with God is for God to tell us, number one, not only how to have peace with God, and number two, whether or not we have it. It's one thing for us to say, well, I just know I have peace with God. It's another thing for God to say, here's how you have peace with me, and here are the ones that have it. Okay, That's what we have in Scripture. We have a doctrine of how to have peace with God, and we have God telling us through the human penman, these are the ones that have peace with me. That is, these are the ones that don't have to worry about condemnation, judgment unto condemnation. They don't have to fear hell. So that's pretty kind of God, right, if that's true. God, in his word, through prophets and apostles and the other authors, um, has told us how to have peace with God and has told us these persons have peace with God. It's the only way we can know for certain, right? We, the, the other way is just us assuming a posture of defining reality for ourselves. I have peace with God because I just do. No. So what does it mean to be justified? We're going to ask some questions of Romans um, 5.1. What does it mean to be justified? Because we've got to figure that out first. Because whatever it means, we know this much. If somebody is justified by faith, faith all the rest of verses 1 and 2 are theirs. You have peace with God. This peace with God is through our Lord Jesus Christ. And it is through our Lord Jesus Christ also that we have access by faith into this grace of justification and all the entailments of it in which we 
stand and rejoice in the hope of glory. So what does, what does justification mean? Well, it involves several things. If we could say this, it involves being pronounced righteous. That is, to be declared by God himself as rightly related to him because rightly related to his law. Now, that sounds weird. If you're a Christian and you analyze your own heart, you're going, huh? The fact that I'm not rightly related to his law and therefore not rightly related to him is why I went to Christ in the first place. How can I be rightly related to his law and therefore rightly related to him? Well, you have to wait as I explain it further. We maintain that a man is justified by faith apart from works of the law, Paul says in Romans 3.28. So if, if a person is justified, they're declared by God to be rightly related to him because rightly related to his law. But it says elsewhere, a man is justified by faith apart from works of the law. Kind of seems odd. Well, let's keep digging a little deeper. Justification involves God's approval. Now watch this. Of a sinner's standing in relation to the law of God. Wait a minute. God approves sinners? If he doesn't. Let's go to the Sotelos and eat and drink and be merry and then die. God approves a sinner's standing in relation to the law of God, though justification does not alter or change the sinner's heart and character. It alters the sinner's standing before God. Here's where I get this from. Romans 4.5. See, in order to interpret Romans 5.1, we're using other Places in Romans. But to the one who does not work, but believes in him who, here it is, justifies the ungodly. You're ungodly if you're justified. He justifies the ungodly sinners. His faith is reckoned as righteousness. So God declares ungodly sinners as righteous in his sight. Some of you know the... uh, if you listen to R.C. Sproul, you might even know the Latin phrase. I forgot what it is. But Christians, Luther said, are simultaneously righteous and sinful. See, Luther is meditating on verses like this. The verdict of condemnation comes upon sinners because we are considered in ourselves, therefore, as sinners. The verdict of justification comes because sinners are considered not in themselves, but they are considered in Christ. Now, that phrase, a little preposition in, and the object of the preposition, Christ, is massive. Whatever it means to be in Christ, you better get in there. Because once you're in Christ... You are considered by God not only and exclusively as a 
sinner, as ungodly, but also as righteous as you are related to him. Not in yourself, but as you're connected to him. It's an it's amazing doctrine. This is why we sing, In thee we have a righteousness by God himself approved, so by the righteousness of one are sinners justified. Ah, sinners are pronounced right with God, not by virtue of their own righteousness, their own law-keeping, their own doing, but based on the righteousness, the law-keeping, the doing of another for them. That There's the gospel. That's why you've you got to believe it, because you get righteousness approved by God himself. It's actually called the righteousness of God in Philippians chapter 3. Justification then involves God's declaration, his legal pronouncement, that the believing sinner is righteous in his sight because of the, here's a technical word, because of the imputation of his sin to Christ and the imputation of Christ's righteousness to the believing sinner. So there's this double exchange. On the one hand, we are to view Christ as he's suffering his entire life unto the point of death on the cross, uh, assuming our guilt, our liability to punishment. That's the language of imputation. And on the other hand, we, getting, we, we are getting something from him. We give something to him. He assumes it. Nobody forced him to do this, okay? Uh, we give something to him, guilt. He gives something to us, forgiveness, because he suffered the punishment due to our sins, the guilt, the just liability unto punishment. Um, but we also get something else from him. We get a, we get a, a double gift. On the one hand, by virtue of his work for us, we get all of our sins forgiven. We get the promise of no condemnation. And we get this positive side of it. We get all of the merit of his obedience from womb to tomb. We get the merit of that. We get his active obedience. We get the imputation of the active obedience. God credits our account with the, the, the righteousness, the law-keeping, the duty-bound um, uh, obedience of our Lord that's perfect. It's what God requires of us if we're going to have peace with him. So it can't be attained by us since we're ungodly, but it can be attained by another for us and lavished upon us. And that's exactly what has happened in Christ for believing sinners. So justification means that in God's sight, the believing sinner has perfectly kept the law of God because he considers believing sinners in Christ and not in themselves. Here's our uh, catechism asking the question, what is justification? The answer is justification is an act of God's free Grace, that word free, is really important. It's not as if circumstances 
on the world forced themselves upon God. And he said, okay, I got to do this. Given creation, given the fall into sin, there is nothing forcing God, making God do what he ended up doing. It comes out of the perfection, the bounty of his good being. It's amazing. He doesn't have to save us, but he chose to. Justification is an act of God's free grace. This is Baptist Catechism Q&A 36. Wherein, this is very important, he pardoneth all our sins and he accepts us as righteous in his sight only for the righteousness of Christ imputed to us. Okay, so the person that says, uh, how can I know that I have peace with God? Well, my good deeds outweigh my bad ones. That, that's, that's not the way the catechizers are answering the question of what is justification, right? Only for the righteousness of Christ imputed to us and received by faith alone. Okay, It's not thy works plus mine, O Christ, like I said earlier. It's thy works, not mine, O Christ. That is the basis of our justification. And I think quite often when we confuse and conflate justification and sanctification, we do damage, self-inflicted damage to our souls. Because you know what? Practically, what kind of happens is you go, okay, I profess to be a Christian, but I did this, committed this gross sin either with my lips or in actual life or in my thoughts. So how can I be right with God if I did that? I can't go to him because I'm so bad because I did that atrocious thing. So what I'll do, none of us do this, is I'll, I'll try to have a few good days, clean it up, then I'll go to him. Oh, forgive me for that thing. But look at what I've done in the last three days. No, if we have no condemnation in Christ, then the moment we're conscious of a sin, boom, we go to God with it. Right? We don't wait. We, we shouldn't. Try to get better. Then go. We go immediately. Well, in theory, we go immediately. The law, thou perfectly obeyed that they might enter heaven. So that's hymn 440, line 2. The law, thou perfectly obeyed. Who did? That's right. The Lord Jesus perfectly obeyed the law. Why? That they might enter heaven, that those for whom Christ lived and died and those that believe upon Christ might have warrant by virtue of his righteousness to enter glory someday, ultimately. 
And when, when that day comes, when we go from through the portal of that great change, the great the resurrection, uh, and then new heavens and new earth, we're not going to be boasting in our Christian sanctification as our ticket to get in. Let him who boasts boast in the Lord, as Paul reminds us uh, more than once. So the obedience of Christ is credited to sinners who believe the gospel and all of their sins are forgiven. So we have forgiveness of sins as a part of justification and then the imputation because of the imputation of our guilt to Christ and the imputation of Christ's merit or obedience to us. Listen, if you don't have the imputation of Christ's merit or obedience, you're going to hell. I mean, it's, it's kind of important, right? And, and even the word hell in our culture still has like a, doesn't have a good ring to it, right? Um, and it shouldn't. And when it does have a good ring to it, something way wrong is, is uh, out there in our culture. But it still at least has a little sting to it. Um, some of you know that famous letter that was written by that famous guy who wrote, this is what happens when the old man gets off the script. Um, he wrote a letter to John Murray on his deathbed in North Dakota. And his name is J. Gresham Machen. And Machen has this famous statement in this letter on his deathbed, he was like 38 or 39 years old, a very famous Orthodox Presbyterian church minister in the 1920s and 30s. He only lived to be 39, so he's on his deathbed up there in Fargo, North Dakota, and he's writing a letter to Pennsylvania, Philadelphia, where his comrade at Westminster Seminary was. And he said this, so thankful for the active obedience of Christ. Uh, don't leave earth without it or something like that. He didn't say that, but that's what he means. I'm leaving the earth. Uh, I'm going to leave my body on the earth because uh, he's on his deathbed. My soul's going to be absent from that body and present with the Lord, but I'm not leaving the earth without the imputation of the active obedience of Christ. By the way, the best way to die is to die with the imputation of the active obedience of Christ. Now, what is the means ordained by God to obtain this gift of justification? Here's our text. Therefore, having been justified by faith, there it is. Two words in English, two words in Greek. By faith. So faith, what is faith? Uh, it involves knowing something, so it involves knowledge. It involves believing that this particular knowledge is true, so I'm assenting to the truthfulness of that which I know, and also entrusting oneself to that which is known and assented to, so it involves trust. It's a pretty standard way of uh, uh, describing what saving faith is. You know something, you assent to it as true because it is true, and then you entrust yourself to it. 
Faith, then, is the means through which we receive the grace of justification. Faith is not the cause of our justification. Oh, you have faith in Christ? Then you are justified. By virtue of what? Your faith. Well, then it becomes a work that I merit justification by. We don't want to, we don't, we don't want to go there. It is not on account of faith or because of faith as a virtue that sinners are justified. How many want to say, you know, when I cried out to God as an unbeliever, save me in Jesus' name, amen, my faith was counted as virtue. And God therefore accepted me because of my virtuous faithful cry out to him. I hope you don't want to say, if you do want to say that, I'm going to slap you. Uh, Not physically. That's a metaphor. It's one thing for another. I'm going to try to correct your your idiotic thinking. I mean your, uh, listen, it's not necessarily idiotic because smart people think that way. It's just, it's wrong though. Okay, so it's not faith as... Um, some holy thing. The faith that received justification receives something virtuous, right? The grace of justification, but is itself, that is, the faith that receives the virtue, justification, the faith itself is not virtue or virtuous. It's not something God is repaying us for. Faith does not earn. Faith receives. Big difference. Our faith, the fact that we believe the gospel, is not holy, not virtuous, not the grounds or basis upon which we are justified. Faith is viewed here and elsewhere in Scripture as, and some of you have heard this language before, as the alone means of receiving the grace of justification, or we could put it this way, the instrument by which we receive something from God. Okay, so it's not like we can therefore boast, right? I have faith, right? Because you're... Keep reading in the New Testament. For by grace you have been saved through faith. What's the next words? That is not not of yourselves, but is a gift of God. Now some people say, well, it's not the faith that's a gift. It's the salvation which comes by grace that's a gift. Okay. Is faith a part of the salvation that comes by grace? Yes then the whole thing's not of ourselves, right? The whole, the whole divine remedy for our sinful problem, that's not of us. It's God's, God's prerogative to will it or not to will it. And to will it, he has. And it's God's prerogative to reveal that way of salvation to us or not to reveal it. But God has willed to reveal it in the scriptures of the Old and New Testament, the way of salvation by God is, is God's to think, God's to reveal, 
gods to execute and gods to apply to our souls as well. Faith plus nothing justifies. It's not faith plus a good heart. So, you know, go back. Some of you can go back and identify a conversion experience. Were you offering God your good heart in order to be justified when you cried out to the Lord? Wasn't it just the opposite? I remember crying out five days in a row in this apartment on Ashland Avenue in west, northwest Fresno, right off the 99. I think you can see the apartment still. Um, crying out five, four or five nights in a row. Not out of a pure heart, but out of a perverted heart. I am messed up. You know, save me, help me. When we came to Christ, whether you can remember the timing or not, uh, some here just know this. At some point in the past, I came to Christ because I can't explain my life any other way. I can't put a finger on a calendar and say, that's the day, but I can tell you I've come to Christ. Others can put their finger on the calendar. But when we did that, it's not because we, we were ready to offer the, the goodness of our hearts to God. It's because we were absolutely convinced that there is no hope in me or outside of me other than this has to be true. The gospel has to be true. You have to forgive me of my sins. Foul I to the fountain fly, wash me Savior or I die. Right? When you went to the fountain of salvation, when you went to God in Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, you were foul. And you know what happened? God said, clean it up first and then come back and we'll negotiate. Um, in Scottish, they'd say, no can he do that. That's not right. If that's right, man, we're in huge tr trouble. Faith plus nothing. You know, we're, we're Protestants, right? This is a big deal. Way back in the 16th century, right? Something happened that caused this new thing called Protestantism, and this, this was one of the major things here. The weakest believer, therefore, is as justified before God as the strongest. Paul was, is no more justified than you. You say, wait a minute. Paul, like the apostle, He's just as justified as I am? If Paul could speak, he'd say, Dummy, read my letters! 
Nobody's more justified than another person. The godliest believer is no more and no less justified before God than the weakest, most crippled. Paul's legal status before God is no different than yours if you're a believer in Christ. And these things are so because God pronounces all believing sinners right in his sight on the basis of thy works, not mine, O Christ. Right? On the basis of what Christ did for them, and on that basis, here's the sola word, alone. So faith, we could say, is the soiled hand that receives the unsoiled righteousness of Christ. When you received him, was it because you had unsoiled hands? No, he justifies the ungodly. Uh, Here's hymn 421, third line. Nothing in my hand I bring. We sing it. And it's true. Simply to thy cross I cling. Naked came to thee for dress. You see what the hymn writer's doing there? He's, going, we, we, he's using the uh, analogy of, of clothing. We need to be clothed. Naked came, come to thee for dress. Helpless, look to thee for grace. Foul eye to the fountain fly. Wash me, Savior, or I die. If my daughter was here, she'd go, you said that already. You always say that, Dad. It's, it's true. It's a great line. Foul eye to... Are you foul right now? Do you recognize that you're a guilty sinner under the just condemnation of God? And, you know, to use the spider's analogy from Jonathan Edwards, you know how... There's the web or the spider web, yeah, string of web, and at the bottom is the spider, and if you grab it and if you do like that, what happens? Boom, he's off, he's off the web, he's off the string, and he falls. Well, in one sense, we should view our lives that way. It is by the mere good pleasure of God that you're breathing, that you're hearing me mumble and stumble through Romans 5.1. You should view yourself kind of like that spider at any moment. You know, I heard a preacher one time say, you could choke on a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, that's the way he said it, and die, which is true. It could happen, right? And so if you you really want to get sober and serious about the brevity of life, it's a vapor. Here one moment, then poof. It's gone from us. Foul. If you're foul, and you know yourself to be foul, messed up, guilty, sinful, polluted, what should you do? The language of the hymn says, foul eye to the fountain, fly. You go, wait wait a minute, I don't have wings. I can't fly, obviously. It's a figure of speech for, go to Christ. Wash me, Savior, or I die. Pray. 
ask God for forgiveness. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, something like that. How is justification obtained? Through faith and through faith alone. He knew what I was going to say. Here's another question. What is the immediate result of having been justified by faith? Okay, so let's say, all right, I think I'm in that category. I'm a justified person because I have believed upon the Lord Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of my sins, for the alone righteousness that heaven approves, and for the warrant on the last day to say because he suffered and entered glory, and I'm in him, I can enter glory. Okay, you know that question that evangelistic ministry concocted one time. If you were to die today and be at the portal of heaven and God asked you, um, why should I let you in here? You, you know that question. Um, the answer is, you shouldn't. But you promised to if I believe in your son. And he's the only grounds. He's the only ticket to heaven, to glory. What is the immediate result of having been justified? You say, I'm justified because I have faith in Christ. Here is the language of Paul. We, those that are justified by faith, are having peace with God. The immediate result of having been justified is called peace with God. God. So notice that justification has a clearly stated immediate result. Peace with God. Some of us, not everybody, conversions from being lost to being saved, they're, they're different. We all experience different things. But some of us probably, some of you probably had immediate sense of peace, okay? Subjective peace, like, oh, because of Christ, everything's okay with me. But there's another sense in which we ought to uh, consider peace with God. Not just a subjective sense in our souls, but we have that, if we're true believers, because of something outside of us and object, uh, objectively outside of us. Namely, what Christ did for us. So that there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because if, if all you do is take this, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God, in the exclusive subjective sense, the experience of a quietness of soul and heart and life, and that is the evidence that I'm truly justified. Do you always experience peace in that sense? No, we don't, right? Is your soul ever troubled? Do you ever doubt God's word? Do you ever transgress his law as a believer? Please, don't say no. But the answer is yes. Well, do you experience peace then when Guilt comes upon you, the subjective sense of, I've done something wrong. Do you experience peace when you know you're guilty? When you're consciously aware of a violation of God's law, do you go, wow, I have peace with God. 
I'm experiencing joy, joy, joy. I'm a bubba bubbling. No. You're sorrowful, right? So we, whatever this peace is, we don't want to internalize it and make it just the experience of something. It's, it's actually way bigger than that because we don't always have peace with God in that sense, right? Sometimes we're at war with God in our own hearts and lives. We're kind of stubborn, <laughs> aren't we, God's people? We sometimes think we know better than God. We don't say it that way, but it's the way we live. And we don't have that conscious awareness, that sense of peace in our souls then. And we shouldn't. You varmint, you critter, you sinner, you ungodly, justified child of God. So it, this peace thing has to be, it's got to be more stable and more fixed than this thing, my heart, right? We have peace with God. Having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through, aha, our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. So notice that this result, peace with God, has nothing to do with our sanctification, our good works, our faithfulness, or what we do. Now, the subjective experience of this thing, peace with God, is different. That's not what I'm talking about. This peace that we have with God, is based on God's declaration, not upon our doing enough of the right things. We don't do things to obtain the type of peace Paul is talking about here. If you want to obtain this kind of peace, you got to believe the gospel. It's pretty straightforward and simple, I think. Notice also that this result, this we have peace with God, implies the continual presence of something and the continual absence of something else. We could translate it, we are having peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. It's not a, oh, I have peace with God on Monday and Tuesday, but I didn't have peace with God on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. And then Saturday I repented, and boy, on Sunday, because I went to church both services. I had a lot of peace with God, but oh, I sinned on the way home and, you know, got angry at a homeless person crossing the road and yelled obscenities out the window or whatever you did, you know, or at least thought to yell about yelling obscenities. But, but you didn't want to have war with God, so you, you want to have peace with God, so you didn't actually say it, but you thought about saying it. So since I have peace one day and don't have peace another day, it's all based on me. That's not what he's talking about here, okay? This peace we are having right now, if you're a believer in Christ, peace with God. God 
is not your enemy and you're not his. We're not that kind of church, Mario. (laughs) You say, well, what about if I sin? No condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But you don't know how bad my sin was. If anyone is in Christ, new creation. Not sinless. Oh, sinless there forever, like we sing. But sinful now until absent from the body, present with the Lord. This result implies this peace implies the continual presence of it and the continual absence of something else. The continual presence of God's favor upon us because of Christ and the continual absence of God's disfavor or condemnation upon us. Continual absence of... You don't go from being no, no condemnation to condemnation. Well, I got condemned by God yesterday, though the day before I was, uh, was having peace with him. But he condemned me or put me under the sentence of condemnation. He already, if you're a believer in Christ, he already executed the sentence of condemnation upon your Savior on your behalf. There's no double jeopardy. Okay, he... He was condemned for me, and then I got to get condemned myself. There's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The continual presence of forgiveness and the continual absence of condemning guilt. I didn't say guilt. I said condemning guilt. Damning guilt. Are Christians guilty of sin? Do they violate the law of God? And just, if we think about divine justice, are Christians who are guilty of God's law, should they be condemned? Well, on the one hand, yeah, if we extract them from Christ... But on the other hand, hold on. On the other hand, if we keep them in Christ, he became a curse for them. So we don't have that kind of guilt as believers, but we have guilt. We sin. We do what we ought not to do. We don't do what we ought to do. The continual presence of approval by God toward us and the continual absence of the wrath of God toward us the continual presence of acceptance, and the continual absence of rejection. That's why when you sin, you go to him. I don't know who I was reading many, many years ago. I don't want to say this name, but I think it was this person I'm thinking of. And a lot of us have his books and read him and, and have profited. But he was saying something like this. But, uh, actually, I'm not going to say his name because... He might have said just the opposite, and I agreed with him. So whoever it was, was, was talking about when we sin and what we should do 
when we're consciously aware that we've sinned? And his answer was, go to the throne of grace. Not make yourself acceptable to God first, then go to him, crossing your fingers. I hope I made myself acceptable enough to God that he might forgive me of my sins. Don't do that to yourself. None of, us, none of you have. I'm speaking to the choir, right? We do that. The gospel is is better than that. Okay? Having been justified by faith, I have peace with God. And even when I'm trying to undo my justification, which can't be undone, and undo the peace of God that's mine by virtue of what Christ has done, even when I'm trying to do that, I'm accepted in the beloved one. God has wayward children, doesn't he? You rebels, including myself. So we have the continual presence of acceptance and the continual absence of rejection. This is why Paul can say later in Romans 8, verse 1, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So justification includes the forgiveness of sins and adoption into God's family based on what Christ has done for believing sinners. And the peace believers enjoy is a result of justification. Now here's my last question of our text. And it is this. Through whom is the result of having been justified by faith obtained? The result is peace with God. Through whom is this result of having been justified by faith attained? Now, the language is right there in the text. Through our Lord Jesus Christ. So this peace of God comes by virtue of the acts of our Lord Jesus Christ. He secures this peace for us. Justification means to be declared righteous, but God justifies the ungodly. Whose righteousness forms the basis of this declaration? We can go not only to peace through our Lord Jesus Christ, but we have to go back to justification as well. That's got to be through him as well. It can't be just be, the peace comes by virtue of what he's done, but the justification part, that's just me. The whole thing is through our Lord Jesus Christ, on account of Christ, or because of what Christ has done, or uh, the doing and the dying of Jesus on the behalf of one such as me. That's how the peace was obtained, and that's where the ground of my righteousness. Christ brings peace between God and sinners because of what he did for them, not by virtue of what he empowers us to do for him. We don't get peace with God through what we do. 
We get peace with God due to justification, which finds as its basis the doing, dying, and rising of Jesus for us. I think I quoted these words already. Thy works, not mine, O Christ, speak gladness to this heart. They tell me all is done. They bid my fear depart. Therefore, having been justified by faith, those who have by faith been justified, those who have believed on Jesus, are constantly in the state of having peace with God by virtue of not what they do for Christ, but what Christ has done for them, not by virtue of what Christ does in us, but by virtue of what Christ has done way in the past and on the temporal line in history for us in his doing, dying, and rising on our behalf. That's the ground, that's the basis of our acceptance with God. And Paul in Ephesians talks about the grace that has been lavished upon us. Don't you? I love that word. Heaped upon us. Not earned favor. Unmerited favor from God. We don't merit our justification. It is a favor. It's a donation. It's a gift of grace. It's a lavished thing. We're not Christians because we're good. We're Christians because God is good. We're bad people who are forgiven. Now that doesn't justify us in our sins. Doesn't give us warrant to live however we want. It's just the opposite, right? It binds us. It binds us to live a life that expresses to God and to our neighbors this lavished grace upon us to express our thankfulness for us. Not to earn it, but to show forth fruits that it's been lavished. So through whom is this result of having been justified by faith obtained? That is that peace of God, Jesus. Let's pray. We thank you, Lord, for the word of God. We thank you for justification by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. We thank you for that peace obtained by him that as ours who believe the gospel. We thank you and pray that believer would be encouraged and unbeliever would no longer be an unbeliever, but be made to fly to the fountain, foul to be cleansed. Do your work in our heads and hearts, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.